his name. Hallelujah. Amen. Last week, I began to share with us briefly about trust in the Lord on the subject I call trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. And I, you know, shared uh, some thoughts with us from the Bible, from the word of God on why they need the instruction to trust in the Lord and also gone far to tell us how we can strengthen our trust in him. Uh, okay. Today, I will just do a little recap, you know, like the world normally we do for our children, we say we do revision. So this moment is our revision, to do a bit of a revision, get some, um, um, then I would then to expand more on some of the things that we learned last week. You know, sometimes it's not just so much about the quantity of information you get, of the amount of information you get, what the information that you have, you know, that we are able to retain and work with. Praise God. The, the information you are able to retain and work with, I believe is more important than anything else. You see, and I personally, I believe, you know, I, I read a book many years ago by T.L. Osborne. He called it The Message That Works. <laughs> the Message That Works. You see, God's word works. God's word works. And it's his word. It works. Hallelujah. If we can lay hold on it, lay hold on it, refusing to let it go, steadfastly holding on to God's word, following his principles and his instruction, I'm telling you, we will not just experience, you know, uh, uh, you know, some of the things that people consider as a miracle will truly become our natural place in life. Praise the Lord. If we can hold on, take hold of those things that the word of God taught us. Praise the Lord. Take hold of it. You see, our, it, it, some things that people look out for that happen once in a lifetime to some people will be a natural place in life. Or oh, if only we can just lay hold on the truth of God's word and understand the fact that the word of God works. Hallelujah. Regardless of the situation, the word of God works. Like I said last week, I say that the first thing you must accept as believer, the first decision you must make to trust in God is to make a decision to trust him. It's just to make a decision to trust him. You know, you know every time I read some stories in the Bible, it puzzled me. You know, the Bible talks in Hebrews 11, when we're talking about great men of faith, people we call the, uh, the heroes of faith, or, um, yeah, heroes of faith would be a good way to, to refer to them, talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and several other ones that the Bible says that this men subdue nations. How? By faith. <laughs> now, something struck me there. He said, by faith. By their faith in God. And meanwhile, we now have the faith of God. <laughs> but that our faith in God, but their absolute trust in God. You know, just one story about Abraham that puzzled me. You know, when Abraham went uh, with the other kings to fight a battle, they conquered people, and he, he came back, they came back with spoils. And the king was going to offer Abraham, you know, a good uh, spoil. 
Abraham rejected it. He said, so that no man will be able to say, so that you will not be able to say tomorrow that you made Abraham great. Bible recorded afterward, you know, after then he had the, the encounter with Mechizedek and the rest. But Bible recorded afterward that Abraham went forward and became great. That means that at the time that Abraham was speaking to that king, he's yet to be as great as God wants him to be. <laughs> now, in those days, there's nothing wrong about sharing points of war. It's normal. It's, it's a normal thing that goes on in those days. Um, I don't know about now, but it's a normal thing that goes on in those days. But we also know that even in our days, uh, military guys, when they go to raid any place, they're good. So, and the reason why even the most kingdoms, most countries try to expand their coast by taking uh, other territories and making the good things in those new territories become their own assets. That's part of what goes on back then. But Abraham said to that king, he said, I will not take this thing so that you will not be able to say that you made Abraham great. Why? Because Abraham had absolute trust in the one that told him that I will make you great. You know, you could have easily said, well, that is how maybe this is how God wants me to be great. But Abraham was so absolutely sure that independent of every man, any man, that God is going to fulfill and do and perform everything that he has told him. Praise God. That is having absolute trust in God. You know, I, I'll read that Proverbs, go back again to start from that text I read last week, Proverbs uh, 3. Again, I'll read from uh, King James Version, Proverbs 3, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Don't be wise. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. That helps my traditional believers so that I can read King James. Let me go back to my uh, message translation. Another, it said, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, it is the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God. Run from evil. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In, in contemporary English that I read last week, he said, you must Trust in the Lord. You must trust in the Lord. And I went on to define, to explain that what the context we God was speaking here is that is talking about total dependency on him. Absolutely total dependency on him. Total dependency on him. It's a situation where your perspective about life cannot be, must be subject to God's perspective about those situations. For example, if we talk about health, regardless of how knowledgeable you are in the natural medicine, no matter how knowledgeable you are about the science of your days, it must be subject to the viewpoint of that all sickness, all disease has been dealt with in the death and the resurrection of Christ. Praise God. We must recognize that fact. Everything must be viewed from that point. 
He says, when the Bible says that we died with him, we were raised together with him and we were seated with him far above principality and power in the heavenly places. Why? Because he wants us to live from above. When you live from above, that means you view the things on the head from the viewpoint of the one that is positioned above. So when you see sickness, how do God see? He sees it completely healed already in God. That's why I've said this carefully at different points in time. I know sometimes we are in different journeys of our faith. But I've, I've always, this is one of the truth I personally come to accept, regardless of how I feel or what I see, that Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you can never be sick. God never sees you sick. So when, when, when someone laments, uh, I mean, not say any one of us does, when somebody is lamenting today, oh, God, can't you see my condition? He can't see it. Because you are hidden in Christ. In him, you are perfectly made whole. In him, there is no sickness. There is no disease. So how does it translate to my daily life? Is that when I see or feel any symptoms in my body, I should think like this, that it is not natural. What God is saying is, is that it is not normal. It is abnormal for you as a believer to be sick. It is abnormal for your child to be sick. <laughs> I, I, that, that's what I believe. That's what I believe. Because in him, it's done, it's completed. That's why Peter, when Peter was writing this back the same or quoting Isaiah, he couldn't quote Isaiah like Isaiah said it. He spoke in pastor, he said, by Israel, you were healed. No, you have. He said, you were. It's past tense. God sees it done. He sees it done. Praise the Lord. That's why we must trust him. We must trust him. We must be able to believe in the simplicity of God's word at any point in time as believers. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I went on to talk about the fact that, you know, the rich young ruler that came to Jesus that said, what must I do? <laughs> as long as we are focusing on what must I do, God didn't call us to do. He called us to believe. That's why we are called believers. The guy said, how will, how, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Or inherit the kingdom of God or to inherit eternal life? And he lost it. You don't ever quoted that word on Sunday. He lost it because he was banking on what must I do. Jesus was trying to do it. He said, no. He says, I have done everything for my youth. I have done everything. Who is the man that have done everything? <laughs> we know that's not true. Then Jesus tested him in the first test. 
thou shalt not God with all your heart. Thou shalt not serve any other God apart from me. And the man failed in that test. Why? Because when Jesus told him to sell everything he has and give it to the poor, Bible says that he went away sorrowful. That shows you what the guy really treasured. He didn't treasure following Jesus. He can't see Jesus as a source. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible talks about many other people that follow Jesus that gave to his ministry. No other person, that, even the Zacchaeus, Jesus never told him. When he went to Zacchaeus, uh, to, to yeah, it was Zacchaeus now that went to his house and he was talking to him. He never told him that he should even, it was Zacchaeus that told him and said that, hey, I will refund back everything that I've taken from anyone. Jesus never told him to do so. Why? Because his heart longed for him. He wasn't even saying, what should I do? Jesus never told him anything to do anything. But you see, when you embrace the love of God, and trust in him as a Lord, something else will happen. You see, doing now will become a natural thing. To do good become natural. Hallelujah. To do good to men will become natural. Praise the Lord. But that man was boasting in his ability to do something. Praise the Lord. And that's why he failed. Let me read to us uh, John 15. I will continue again in John 16. Sit along that line in message translation. Bible says that John 15, verse 5 to 8, it says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. When you are joined with me, and, and with me, and um, I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. In King James Version, I put it this way, it said, without me, you can do nothing. He said, without me, you can do nothing. So to trust God is depending absolutely on him. He said, with all your heart, with all your heart requires that my thoughts, my opinion, my experience, everything must be subject to the knowledge of God to his word. In Isaiah, I said, my thoughts are higher. Hallelujah. He said, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Why can't we then just go to that higher place? Because he wants us to come to the higher place and stay in the higher place as we have been raised up to stay in the higher place and walk from that place. Glory to God to walk from the position of the higher life. The eternal life of God has positioned us in the higher place where you can take the thought of God, you know, think through, receive his thoughts and be able to live on that basis. Praise God. Hallelujah. And you see all through scripture, like I was sharing on Sunday, all through scripture, God keep demonstrating, Jesus keep demonstrating he demonstrated all through his earthly ministry on the reason why we should depend on him absolutely. Hallelujah. You know, one of the stories that 
always puzzled me is when Bible talk about when he fed 5,000 men. For example, if any man here today, you are listening to me today, you are worried about what I will eat or what I will drink, what we should tomorrow bring. Jesus said that it's unbelievers that should be troubled about such things. Hallelujah. That's why he told the disciples. He said, it's people that do not believe. Matthew says, he said that the one that should not believe, he said, oh, you, focus on what God is doing. Steep your life. That's what Matthew translation say, on what God is doing now. In another translation, like traditional King James Version said, it says, seek you so the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God's way of doing things. God's way of doing things. You know, the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of, uh, of God, you know, uh, uh, scriptures, I, I, I got new minutes on that in, in, in recent time. Everyone talk about a place, kingdom talk about a system. What God was, Jesus was telling them, he said, understand God's system. Seek ye first that one. God's way of doing things. That's why Mr. Francisco put it. He says, steep your mind in what God is doing. He said, then every other thing that the Gentiles, every other thing they run after, he said, they will naturally gravitate or follow after you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No wonder that David could write and say, surely goodness and mercy is certainty. Certainty, it was absolute certainty that he gave. Praise the Lord. You know, that, that story, you know, Jesus was keep demonstrating to the disciples, showing them at different times that he could be dependent on. And I, I, I went further to say something last week that I, I, apart from the Father, I said that we must make our commitment to trust the Lord. And I said, uh, also, the second point I gave is that one way to, you know, strengthen our trust in God is by resting on his word. Just rest on God's word. Trust in his word. Take his word as absolutely truth. Take his word as the only truth. Praise the Lord. You know, take his word as only truth. You see, and I began to give examples. So I will expand more with some examples, some stories in the Bible that you know, we all know, you know, remember the story of G Jesus and the disciples when they, they just first met Peter and the rest, and he told them to, Peter said they've been toiling all night. As an experienced fisherman, he knows that daytime is not the best time to, to get a, to get a drought. He knows. He knows that even their location is probably not the best because it must be close to the seas side for Jesus to be able to stand in their boat to preach to the people on the, on the, on the seaside. It must be close enough. So they are not in the deep sea. Then Jesus was done and he said to him that he should cast his snake back into the water. Peter said that, Lord, he said, we have toyed all night, said, but at thy word, at thy word, resting on his word. 
Remember again when Peter walked out on walked on water. He literally walked on God's word. Jesus said, Come. He said, Master, if you are the one, tell me to come. Bid me to come. And Jesus said, Come. And he stepped out. As long as his mind is on the word come, that is the Lord that is talking to me. As long as he said he trusts him enough, he will never sink. The moment he took his mind off that and his experience started speaking to him, that, hey, you are walking on water, look at the storm, look at the wind. The moment his experience stepped in, he began to sink. But I thank God that he could call out on Jesus in whom he trusts and he was rescued. There will be moments, yes, that our experience, what we know, the information we have, we want to step in. Praise God. I remember during the outbreak of Ebola and when we had that issue in Nigeria, and when Ebola came in and all that, my role in the office requires me to constantly you know, send information, send news to staff, update them about the disease and all that, how to protect themselves. You know, and that forced me to do something to be reading more about Ebola, read about the history of Ebola, how terribly if 50% of these victims get dies. You know, I kept reading all that. So I'll come home, sanitizer is there, that is there, you know, trying to do all that. And a time I noticed within a short period, I became somewhat fearful about it. I caught myself one day and I was like, wait a minute, Tosin. How long, how many hours are you spending reading about Ebola because you want to inform people? But suddenly, the information about Ebola has become so strong on my mind that I'm beginning to, resp my response is now coming from the knowledge of Ebola, not on the knowledge of God that he keeps disease and sickness away from my household. Oh, no, 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 no. I remember walking out of my house in the essay and I began to say, I began to say, it. I began to sing it, I began to sing, I began talking to myself. Until one point, I just started running on the road. You know, I run past one fellow, he would have looked at me that something was wrong with this guy. <laughs> and I go back home that day, that was there, I just shut down everything. That, no, 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 all those, uh, you must touch something before you get into the house. Hey, I'm not saying it's not good. To be, to be careful, but my mind just went up those radar that this is not protection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just said, no, this is not it. This is not it. This is not it. You see, we could be so exposed to the realities of our environment to the point that the knowledge of God's word concerning that issue will become diminished in our mind. I mean, like I said on Monday during 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 the morning, our morning division on Monday, you know, I was using about the father. God spoke to all this year that this is our year of overflow. And we have never, some of us in our lifetime, have never seen inflation, have never seen things being this expensive in our lifetime. But God knew, God saw ahead. We didn't see. He saw her head at 2022. <laughs> that would be a massive inflation. He knew, but he gave us his word. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So rather than sit at home, rather than sit in your corner discussing and analyzing the inflation rate, spend more time discussing and studying, ruminating, meditating on the word overflow that he gave us during our last second meeting. Some of us probably have forgotten some of those, some of those are forgotten, are forgotten some of those experiences that we had during that meeting. Some of us have forgotten some of the prophecies that we received during that, that meeting. Hallelujah. We must never forget. We must never forget. You see, some of those words of prophecy are for us to remind us so that to steady us even in the middle of the storm. Why would Jesus sleep in the storm? Because he has spoken. As long as the disciples trust on that word, their ship will be steady. They will never sink. Hallelujah. But here they are. Suddenly, they started doubting. We are going to the other side. It doesn't look like we are going to get to the other side. Hallelujah. He said, with all your heart, trust in. Trust him. And, you know, all through Jesus' ministry on earth, he kept showing the disciples reason, reason why they must trust him, reason why they must trust him, reason why they must trust him. That's why when the Bible recorded when he rose from the dead and he met some of them, he scolded some of them because they doubted his resurrection. Oh, that's why I could tell Thomas that it's better to believe. You are more blessed to believe than to see. Thomas said, until I see him, until I dip my hands in his hand, until I check his side. When Jesus showed up, <laughs> oh, dear Lord Jesus. He, he, just, he just have to go on his knees and Lord. And Jesus said that it's better to believe. And to see. Why? Because all through his earthly, earthly war, he tried to demonstrate to them. Look at the story about the 5,000 men that he fed. The disciple told him that it's, evening is coming, we can tell the people to go home. That is logical. That's a good solution. He said they can go into the villages for those probably do our whose home is far away. He said they can go to the nearby villages and buy food. The people didn't say they don't have money. None of them groaned to Jesus to say, Master, we don't have money. And Jesus told the disciples, I know. He said, What about we feeding them? I'm paraphrasing now. What about we feeding them? <laughs> I could just picture myself among the 12. You look around and say, Feed 5,000 men. Women and children not counted. <laughs> and he said, let them sit down. I don't know what was going on in those guys' mind. But Jesus did that to demonstrate, hallelujah, that look, I am the source. God is our source. You know, another story that is interesting to me, uh, when he came to Jesus and asked for than to pay tax. You know, we know that Judas normally keep the money for the, for the, for the disciples, he keeps the money, is the treasurer. 
it, it, it's just common sense and easy way to say, go and pick money from Judas. After all, the Bible never told us that they did not have money in the wallet. They could have said that. But I said, go to the, go to the waters, go, go and catch a fish. Hallelujah. Consistently demonstrated that, look, I am your source. I shared with us last week about my personal story, how God began to train me through the Holy Spirit on trusting for my finances even while I was a student. And I began to see my parents differently after a while, that they are not my source. They are just a channel through which God blesses me. And when I began to see them as one of the channels, multiple other channels opened up in my life. From that period in my life to like graduate from school was probably the best I had financially. I've had situations where people, I was trying to do a project. Physically, I don't have cash on me and somebody walked to me and paid off my project without ever telling the person anything. The person just walked up to me and said, I felt led to do this, to give you this money. I don't know why. <laughs> and it was exact money I needed to get the project out. Why? Because the only thing I kept telling everyone that asked me, he said, don't worry, my project will be out tomorrow. My project will be out tomorrow. Because I just have absolute trust. And I abandoned myself in his hand to trust him to trust in, to trust in. Just simply asking, the Bible, in that proverb it says, ask God for direction in everything and just follow his direction, follow his leading, follow his leading, follow his leading, follow his guidance. How do I know, sir? Through his written word, through his spoken word, you're being taught on different subjects. Just follow God's word. Just follow his leading. You know, I gave an example on Sunday about the man that has been crippled for 38 years by the poolside. If you listen to that conversation, one of the things that struck me in that conversation was that the guy did not even know that he's talking to Jesus. It just a man came to him and said, do you want to be healed? And the guy said, oh, I've been here. Nobody helped me. I'm not. Mm -mm. Jesus asked, do you want to be healed? 38 years? Just think about it. 38 years in a position, unable to walk, bedridden. And a man walk up to you. You don't even know who he is. Maybe in his mind, we'll be thinking maybe, hey, maybe we'll help him. Jesus will stay by him. When the ages come, we throw him inside water. That would have been a, much, a more realistic response. That don't worry, you had the man, I will stay with you. Once the water is pulled, is stirred up, I will throw you into the water. That would have made more sense. But Jesus told him, he said, take up your bed and walk. Take up your bed and walk. And the man responded to that. You know, that's naturally speaking, the man have a reason, he has enough reason to debate with Jesus. 
that do you think is that easy? You think it's that easy? But he acted on his word. Just like Peter. I've been left here for 38 years. Nobody called, helped me. What had I word? At his word. His body resumed strength. To tell you how funny it is, when the Pharisees called the man and said, on Sabbath day, who told you to walk? <laughs> oh God, that's another study on his own. How men will always challenge God's word. He said on Sabbath day, and the guy said that, I don't know, same way you are seeing me. A man woke up to me, he said, take your bed and walk. And I walked. He didn't even know it is Jesus. He didn't even know who Jesus is. Praise the Lord. He didn't even know. He probably never heard about him. Because from the conversation, it was clear that there was no conversation to say that, oh, I've heard about you. I've, no, I mean, the woman with the issue of blood, we know about her. That way I said, I heard about Jesus. So he came pressing. This guy I didn't even hear about him. Never heard nothing about him. Jesus spoke a word. He acted on it. Boom. Killed. Hallelujah. What about the man that Jesus spit into the ground, used his, uh, made clay out of here and put him in his hands and go and wash? <laughs> you know, you read some of those stories, you ask yourself, how come by simply trusting in his word, following his instruction? Following in his instruction. Hallelujah. I like that, that, that proverb that I read. If we keep, just doing that alone, we keep evil away. Hallelujah. If we, he said, run to God, run from evil. What it means that when we run to him, when we depend on him, the evil is on the other way, it's far from us. He said, your body will glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. <laughs> Honor God with everything you own. That's what it means. Honor him. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Acknowledging means it's not just recognizing that somebody is present. Like I will walk into a room and say, hey, Social person is here. Like some of us, I can see online and say, social person is online today. No, it's more than that. Acknowledging means is I submit to him. Recognizing the fact that his opinion is the best, is the only opinion, and is the only truth. The word of God is not a truth. When I say there's a truth, or there's a truth. So a truth somewhere. It means there are other truths. No, it is the truth. That's why Jesus reaches some words, and it was very, those words were, were very deliberate. And he asked, he said, I'm the way, not a way, not one of the ways. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah. 
These are the convictions we must have. So when we begin to allow our, when we begin to allow his thoughts, you know, to become and his opinion, his viewpoint, his perspective to become our perspective. Hey, see, we will experience God like never before. That is my conviction. Hallelujah. That's why when Paul was talking about, you know, casting that imagination and stronghold, he said, whatever we trust more than God becomes a stronghold. And that's what the enemy will hold on to. Why do we see how many believers seeking deliverance? When all, I mean, they got born again by believing. Romans 10, 9, they got born again by believing. With the heart man believe. With man's confession is made unto salvation. They got, they got in by believing. Why do we think we need to do something else to experience what that salvation has brought? Salvation brought all the packages. Salvation brought us into the kingdom of God. Salvation brought us into the place where we will experience heaven on earth. That's what salvation has provided. That's what salvation has brought us into. You believed, you simply believed that he died for you. You simply believed he was raised for you. You simply believed that was, he, he, I mean, he was raised for you and he seated in the right hand of the Father for you. That's why you got saved. You believe that. Hallelujah. You believe that. So why do we think that we need to do something else? you know, <laughs> to experience everything in God. Whatever I tell, if he calls you in, you are healed. When he calls you blessed, you are blessed. That's why I believe with absolute truth in my heart that, you know, when he gave us the word overflow for this year, it's not just for this year. He has brought us into a place. He's telling us to be mindful of this fact that we have been born into an abundant life. That's why I'm not afraid of what next year will come. You know, I, I remember listening to a, a brother's testimony many years ago that really inspired me, inspired me. You know, this guy, you know, was in a meeting and we are being taught like this. I mean, the focus of the message was on new creation realities, who we are in Christ. And at some point, the, the minister said to them that, hey, is there, any, is there anyone here that has a blood condition? And a few of them raised their hands and he told them to get up. And he just, without prayer, he told them and said, look, when you got born again, you became healed of God. Jesus paid for that sickness and that disease regardless of, the, of, of what you see or what you've been told. So you were healed and you are still healed. So sit down. Your blood condition is already paid for. 
And that, that was it. He sat down. He said, what came to his mind is that, hey, after I left the place, spoke to one brother, the person said, oh, you can go and check yourself back in the hospital. He said, no, what he did was to first open his Bible to get that word, what Peter wrote there, to sink in his mind. He said, I did S word ray before I went for S ray. <laughs> before I don't any tests, I did word test. It came back with absolutely different results. The next way is when they give testimony, I was like, whoa. Why? Because he heard the word and he just simply believed it. Simply believed it. Simply believed it. So God told us, we, he told us about overflow. It's not just for this year. In the, see, God is not constrained. God's word is not constrained for a season. It's not constrained for time. It's just layering us up to different levels, moving on to different levels, opening our eyes to the to greater realities of what he has done for us, that in him there is abundant life, in him there is overflow. So regardless of what they have said about next year, I'm not even bothered, to be honest with you, I'm not bothered about any economic outlook for 2023. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about it. The Lord is my shepherd. Hey, glory to God. That is where my mind is. I like it. There was a translation that put it says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Set your mind there. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to the name of Jesus. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I like Colossians 1 in Mirror's translation, three, verse 1. He said, you know, in, 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 uh, in, in King James, he said, if Christ be risen. But I like this translation. Mirror's translation said, he said, in view of the Father he has written, he said, keep your mind on the realities of that place, of heaven. Keep our mind on that realities. Glory to God. Keep your mind on that reality. He said, in view of the Father he has risen. In view of the Father he has risen. You know, when you read from King James, King James put it in a context as if there's a probability that he's not. No, the writers said, in view of the fact that he has risen, it's already a done deal. It's a fact. It starts saying that in view of that fact, keep your mind in the reality of heaven. Keep your mind in the reality of your new life. Believe it. Glory to God. Believe it. Amen. I shared a story on Sunday. I think to bless your heart. I, 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 this is a story that I knew the minister that was, I mean, that this, this story, I knew the minister. It was a first hand story for me about a minister where he went to a church to preach. And this is a pastor that I knew through one of my pastor friends. I've been, I've been under his ministration. A, a, a couple of times back then into in 1996, 97, 98, if I remember clearly. So he went somewhere preaching. He said he just felt in his heart, he got received an instruction in his heart. And he looked at there are two people in the auditorium on, on wheelchair. And he said to one of them, he said it was one. He felt led to one of them. <laughs> and he told the guy, he said, before I'm done with my message, 
you'll be on your feet walking. And he went back and continued preaching. At some point, he said he could tell, just like Paul could perceive that there is faith in the heart of a man. He said he could sense that, that this is time. He just went through to the man and were like, are you still sitting? Get up on your feet. And the guy jumped out of his chair, started running in the auditorium. He didn't talk to the other guy, but the other guy just looked at him from a different one that, hey, the word, that man, the same word that this guy said is the same power of God, the same presence of God is in this meeting. If he can get that guy out of his chair, he surely will get me out of his chair. He jumped out without anybody instructing him, acted on the word I heard and he ran and he also got healed. Hallelujah. You see, the word of God to us is so powerful. That's why God we told uh, Joshua that you will meditate on it day and night, day and night, day and night, that you may observe to do the word, doing the word now. Why? Because these are men. Joshua is Joshua was not meant to even keep to the opinion of people around him. Why well, these are men that have just been brought out of Egypt. Some of them are still thinking Egypt. Hallelujah. Hijin laying hold on their mind. The life in Egypt laying hold on their mind. So God knows that there's only one sure way of victory. There's only one sure way of success for Joshua is to steep his mind in God's word. Glory to God. I encourage us this evening, make a commitment to trust God. Make a commitment every day. Some of the practical things I do, I'd like to share that with you in closing. Some of the practical things I do to help myself, keeping my mind focused on God's word. Because yes, the reality is this, that we listen every day, we listen to, some, some of the news we listen to, men are overwhelming. Come on, that's it. I mean, those, those are uh, facts uh, around us, natural facts around us. They are overwhelming. Do I over, if you open to your papers, newspaper in Nigeria, there's hardly any day you hear that somebody's not kidnapped or something didn't happen somewhere. You know, those are overwhelming things. But you see, those could become strongholds. Started questioning your trust, started undermining your trust in God as your protector. Yeah. That's what happens. I'm not saying we should not be, you should be aware of the things going on in our environment. I'm not saying we should not study the economy of our environment. I'm not saying we should not plan. Hey, but see, even in planning, yet your planning be prompted by God. Let me be guided by the Holy Spirit. Let it be guided by the Holy Spirit. He said, He will not lead us astray. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Truth about everything, anything, truth about the entire thing that we need to know. He will guide us into that truth. Do you trust him that we will do that? Absolutely, yes. Jesus said to us in John 14, he said, I sent to you another comfort that my exact one like me. It will be to us exactly what Jesus is to the disciples. Then let's act our way. Let's talk to him like that. We are not trying to do anything so that he will hear us. We're not trying to do anything 
so that we hear him too. No, we know him. He said, my sheep knows my voice. So I know his voice. I know his voice. No, Pastor Tosin, do you think it's that simple? Absolutely that simple. If it's not as simple as that, Jesus would have told us. Jesus would have told us. He would have told us to fast 40 days, 40 nights. He would have told us to do, if you want to hear my direction, you must do this. I'm not against fasting. I believe in fasting. I fast, I pray. Praise the Lord. I do all that. But keep in mind, the first thing you must know as a believer is that he hears us and you can hear him. We are not like those people that are praying, hoping God will hear them. Ah, my father, if you are in heaven, no, he is heaven. If you can hear me, no, he hears you. He hears you. He hears you. He's listening to you and he's talking to you. Brothers and sisters, that is the life we are receiving, a life of trusting God absolutely. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Just wherever you are, just thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank him for your word is producing results in our lives. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you because we follow the good shepherd. We follow his instruction every day. We follow his instruction every day. We follow his instruction every day. <laughs> he said we are more than conquerors. We believe that we are. We are truly more than conquerors. In this world, we are more than conquerors. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father Lord. We thank you. We thank you for because we are able to do everything that God and we are able to achieve everything that God will achieve because he's the one doing the work. He's the one doing it. He's the one walking through us. Thank you, Father. He's the one walking through us. It's not about our strength. It's not about our power. It's not about our intellect. Lord, we submit everything, our experience to your feet, and we say, Lord, all of you in us. Thank you, Father, Lord Jesus. We give you glory and praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you glory and praise. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you with all our hearts. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. I trust you've been blessed this evening. I thank you, trust that you've been inspired this evening. Just join us. Let's just keep studying God's word together. Let's be reminded in ourselves of the things that he has done for us. Hallelujah. You will see that you see you will find out that fear will suddenly fade away on those issues in life. Fear will fade away. Fear will fade away. Fear of the fact that you will not get there will fade away. Hallelujah. You're beginning to see yourself already where God said you are. Hallelujah. That's, that's what I found about God. You know, it's always believed better to believe than to see. It's always better. Just believe. Just believe. Just believe. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.